Hello, podcast people. I'm excited to be with you today as we continue our series called Finding Your Prayer Language. It's all about the power of prayer. My name is Zach Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch Community Church in Dallas, Texas, and I'm your host on this podcast. Our sermon of the week is about learning to listen to God in prayer. Pastor Jeremy West shares with us that in the gospel, we've been positioned to hear God speak. And in prayer, we respond by positioning ourselves or posturing ourselves to listen. Before we get to this great sermon, I want to share with you about our giving project called That We May. We are a generous church. and We have a growing vision. As we learn in our study on the book of Ezra, when God stirs a vision, there's also a need for the finances to fund the vision. Toward that end, That We May is an initiative to help us take meaningful steps toward funding our facility move that we may gather as a family brought together by Jesus's love and faithfulness to us where we're moved again and again and again to awe and wonder at his love, at his goodness on display in our lives and lifted high in our city. That we may have a space to invest with passion and excellence into the next generation, playing our part in our generation to pass on the gospel. That we may have a home base from which we can love and serve the poor, the at-risk, and the refugee with the compassion and the power of the gospel. That we may be a house of prayer for all nations right here in Dallas. That we may make disciples who step into the call of God on their lives to carry the gospel to the four corners of the world. That we may see marriages and families restored, college students touched, young professionals mentored for their joy, our city's good, and the glory of God. So what's the need? The need is we're trying to raise $150,000 to facilitate this move. This will go toward adequately equipping our new space on 635 as we seek to move in this fall. How can you be a part? I want to ask you, would you seek God? And ask him how he's leading you to give above and beyond your normal giving. Maybe that you begin to give to Antioch Dallas for the first time, or maybe you've been a consistent tither. But I want to ask you to I want to ask you to pray and seek the Lord about how you could participate in this next step for us. As we gather together in giving, we are sowing into this special opportunity to be a part of what Jesus is doing in us, in our city, and in the nations of the earth. We're going to have giving days on October the 30th, December the 3rd, and January the 8th as a part of this campaign. Okay, with that as the backdrop, we've got a few announcements from our communication team, and then we'll jump into the sermon. Love you guys. Excited for you to be a part of what's going on here. Hey, Antioch Community Church. My name is Becca Briscoe, and I'm on the communications team. I want to let you know about a few of the opportunities that we have going on that we would love for you to be a part of. First, we love getting to be a part of what the Lord is doing in our Dallas community, and one of those ways is through Austin Street Center. Here's a short video giving you a glimpse of some of the impact that they're having here in Dallas. We are veterans, mothers, and fathers. We are sisters and brothers. We are sons and daughters. We are your neighbors. We are the men and women in Dallas County who do not have homes. Austin Street Center serves 28% of the sheltered, chronically homeless here in Dallas. Your donation or choice to volunteer at Austin Street makes a huge impact in the lives of thousands of homeless citizens in Dallas that desperately need your support. information on how you can get involved at Austin Street, you can email us at hello at antiochdallas.org. As a church, we're committed to loving our city. Join us on our next community outreach on Saturday, November 5th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. These monthly community outreaches are a great opportunity for you to grow in evangelism and be able to do ministry together as a family. Lastly, we have our Welcome to the Family Dinner on October 23rd from 5.30 to 7 p.m. We love these dinners because it gives you an opportunity to meet some of our staff, meet some new people to the community as well, hear our vision and mission, and eat some great and free food. It's a win, 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 so you don't want to miss. You can register for this online at our website at antiochdallas.org. 
All right, you guys, that's a wrap. Know that we are thanking God for you and praying for you this week. Welcome to Antioch Dallas. If you're new with us, I just want to say we are so glad you're here and honored that you take time this morning to come be with us. My name is Jeremy West. I'm the worship pastor uh, here. <laughs> and so Zach, double dog, dared me to get out from behind my guitar and to grab the mic and to speak. And so here I am doing it and uh, just excited to dive into the Word of God together this morning, and um, yeah, just pumped about that. I've only been in Dallas for about three months now, moved from Abilene, so my wife, Kara Lee, uh, she's in the room somewhere, and our three kids, Jaira, who's five, and Elam, who's four, and Brielle, who's one and a half, we all moved from Abilene after being in Abilene for 13 years, and so we're here in Dallas and loving it, uh, which is home for us, because I grew up in Garland and went to Naaman Forest High School, go Rangers. Yeah, Craig. Oh, we know. You know all about that life. And so, um, yeah, we've just been incredibly blessed by you guys. Y'all, I just want to say thank you for the way you've received us and our family and just made us feel so welcome. I mean, we were like here for like four seconds and then my phone was blowing up. Hey, we want to have you over for dinner. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, this is, this is great. So thank you guys for for loving us in that way and welcoming our family so kindly. Um, I don't know if you picked up on this yet, but it is a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive on planet Earth. It's a great time to be alive uh, and be a part of Antioch, Dallas. God is doing amazing things here in our city. Uh, he's doing amazing things among us. It's really exciting. I mean, I just see, uh, just from over the, even the last few months as I've been apart and, uh, you know, just dove headlong into what God's doing, just God's stirring so much passion for Jesus in you guys and a hunger to know him. And he's building us up into a people of impact um, who are really impacting our city. This last Sunday night, we had a leaders gathering. I was just sitting right over there and listening to testimonies, and I was just like, who are these people? Like, I'm like living among heroes. I mean, it's just crazy. Just the cool things that God's doing. He's opening new doors. Um, those of you who are new, you may not know, we, we, we have a new building that we're going to be moving into. ASAP. <laughs> um, as soon as it gets kind of finished and completed. And so we're thankful for that. It's going to give just amazing opportunity to um, invest in this family, invest in our families, invest in our neighborhood, invest in kids, uh, <clears throat> invest in refugees. Um, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's truly exciting time um, to be alive. And so I want to jump off of that. Man, if it is, if God is moving, um, there's something there that he's calling us into. And with all that God is doing, it's not time to just kind of sit back and just kind of check out and just, you know, just let life unfold and, you know, what will happen will happen and what will be will be and just whatever. That's not a way to live life at all. Uh, we want to be those that lean into the things of God, that press into what God is doing, that as Paul told Timothy, he says, take hold of the eternal life to which you've been called. Like, you've been called, God's done a whole lot for you, now take hold of it, grab it. You know, like the old Texas saying, like, grab the bull by the horns, you know, like, wrestle that thing down, man, like, live life and lean into the things of God. And one of the ways that we lean into the things of God is through prayer. It's through prayer. And so that's why we're doing this this series called Finding Your Prayer Language. Now, if you grew up in a charismatic church or have heard about a charismatic church, you're going, what are they about to talk about? Because prayer language, sometimes they use it to talk about tongues. That's not what we're talking about this morning, so just breathe easy. Um, that, that's not where we're going. We're talking about how to pray and what God has for us in that. Prayer is really a big deal. Um, it's essential to following Jesus. And if we want to see uh, all the things that God wants to do, we want to partner with him in all that he wants to do in our life, in our family, in our friends, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our city. We have to grow in prayer, and we have to be people of prayer. And so the purpose of this series is not to, um, you know, to just kind of shoot for the stars and hope something happens. No, like this is to encourage you, to inspire you, to equip you to take a next step 
in prayer, wherever you are in your journey. And so that's what we want to do. Prayer is essential for following Jesus. Okay, Jesus prayed. God in human form on the earth, he prayed. He prayed so much so that as Pastor Joe shared last week, one of the only questions his disciples ever asked him was, teach us how to pray like you pray. Why did they ask him that? Because they saw the connection between the way he prayed and the way he lived. They walked with him and saw him do the things he did and treat people the way he treated people and teach the way he taught. And then they saw him pray and they're like, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I think something's connected there between the way he prays and the way he lives. And so they asked, teach us to pray. And so Joe taught on that last week, and that was a great message. You should listen to it if you haven't. Two-thirds of the Godhead right now is occupied with praying. The scripture says that Jesus stands at the right hand of God making intercession for you and for me. In Romans 8, it says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. I mean, God right now is praying, okay? That's what he's doing. He's, he's engaged in this activity of prayer, even in the Godhead. And so Jesus, the fruit of his ministry even, was a prayer meeting. I mean, he dies on the cross. He raises from the dead. He ascends into heaven. And what is left? 120 people in an upper, whoa, upper room praying. 120 people in an upper room praying and seeking God. And as they pray and they see God, God moves. The Holy Spirit comes and the church is born. And from that group, the nations have been changed. We're all here today because 120 people were praying as Jesus asked them to do. And it's changed the whole earth. And throughout history, Wherever we see any move of God, any transformation in society, any healing of the brokenness, any uh, lifting of oppression, any breakthrough in the area of justice, right in the middle of it, you know what you find? A praying people. You find people that are praying, that are seeking God, that are devoted to him in prayer, right in the middle of it. So, Prayer is a big deal. It's the greatest calling. I believe one of the greatest callings on our life. One of the greatest invitations is to walk in prayer and to pray. And I remember in the church that was in Abilene, they, uh, our staff was like really stretched thin. And so they said, Jeremy, you're in charge of the prayer ministry. And I was like, okay, all right, let's do this. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I was telling one of our college leaders, uh, you know, just about this. And yeah, so I'm in charge of the prayer meeting. And he looked at me and it, it just rocked me. He said, dude, they gave you the most important role in the church. I was like, what? He said, dude, you, that, that we partner with God. Like the kingdom moves forward through prayer. It's a big deal. Uh, Oswald Chambers, excuse me, falling off the stage here because I'm so excited. Oswald Chambers said this, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Corey Tim Boom, the famous woman from Holland who rescued Jews during the Holocaust, she said this, for Christians, prayer is not to be this, prayer is to be the steering wheel, not the spare tire. It's not something that we just kind of resort to after we've exhausted all of our other options, but it's to be the driving force of our life and our relationship with God. Now, I believe in this room, I mean, you likely would not be here if you did not, on some level, believe that prayer is important, um, that you've maybe seen some answers to prayer in your life. You go, yeah, you know, I was, uh, you know, going through this thing and prayed and saw God respond, and it was just like crazy, you know, uh, and you've seen God move, or maybe you've had significant breakthrough in your life, or you've seen powerful ways that God's moved in your life and the people around you through prayer, but if you're anything like me, when I hear that the topic of the message is on prayer, I kind of get excited, maybe I'm going to learn something, and then I also start feeling guilty, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't pray enough. I don't do this that good. 
Um, and probably maybe you feel a little intimidated like me. Maybe you feel a little uh, anxious. Uh, maybe some anxiety rises up in you like, okay, now we're talking about what we're not good at, okay? Maybe that's you. Maybe it's not, praise God, but maybe you don't consider yourself a good like prayer type of a person. Um, and when maybe you went to a life group and people were praying out loud, and then they're like, okay, hey, why don't, why don't, why don't you pray? And you're like, me? Out loud? <laughs> in front of other people, and you have to like go, I'll meet the parents on them, you know? It's like, dear Lord, three things I pray to love thee more dearly and see thee more clearly and walk with thee more nearly, amen. You know, I love, I love that scene because I can relate. I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know what to say. And so, you know, you just quote lyrics from a song. It works out. I remember as a young Christian hearing a preacher talk about this guy uh, named Edward Payson, who was a minister in the 1800s. And this guy was a radical man of prayer. This guy was so devoted to prayer that they found deep grooves in his, next to his bed in the wooden floor from where he had consistently rested his knees in prayer. Deep grooves in the wooden floor because of his prayer life. And I heard that, and I'm like, looking next to my bed, like a PlayStation controller, <laughs> tangled with a burger wrapper, a bunch of books that I hadn't read yet that I wish I did, dirty laundry. I'm like, I'm a loser. You know, like I, I have nothing to offer in this area. You just feel stuck in this whole thing. Maybe um, you hear these stories of people and just think, oh, that is just so, that's great, you know, and I'm glad that they did that, but that's just not maybe something that, that I could do. I couldn't really pray like that or pray enough, or maybe prayer is a kind of a token exercise for you. You just kind of throw some words to God and hope it all works out. Or maybe you hear about people that have this communion with God on a regular basis and go, man, that's great for really spiritual people, but that's not for people that, you know, have jobs and three kids and PTA meetings and work and soccer practice and errands to run and things to do. I don't know that that is for me. Maybe your view of God is that he just created the world. He loves people and he created the world and he kind of set it in motion and now he just wound it up like a clock, and he's just, just let it play out. And he wants people to be good people and nice people and fair people and not cheat on their taxes and, and be good citizens wherever they are, but he's not really involved as a friend, as a father, involved in a life. And thus prayer is maybe just something you, you, you resort to when you have a really, really, really big problem that you need God for. Or maybe you don't know God at all and you're here for the first time and you're like, man, I, I just kind of throw up prayers. I'm like, to whom it may concern, help, please, now. You know, it doesn't matter where we are. We're in, this, in a room this big, I mean, we're all over the place, right? I mean, we could be all over the place in our experience and our understanding, and that is totally okay. I want to just encourage you this morning. That is totally okay. What God does not want from you is for you to perform and for you to pretend and for you to work something up in your own strength. This morning, God desires to just... Uh, for us to gather together and just all together say, let's just take one step forward. Can we do that? Can we do that? Just take one step forward today into the things of God. And so that's what we're going to do. The best place to start in your prayer is right where you are. Not where Zach is or Donnie or someone else. It's just to start right where you are. You know, your kids, you let them start where they are. You don't like hey, you need to be more older and more like you have a college degree, but you're still in diapers. But no, that just makes no sense. And God's the same way. He said, I want you to start right where you are. You know Goo Goo Gaga? Okay, just pray Goo Goo Gaga, okay? My son, the first four words he knew was this, help more, please, thank you. And one day I was thinking about that. I was like, that's prayer. That's the starting place of prayer. God, help more, please, thank you. Amen. <laughs> right? 
And God's like, yes, thank you. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. And so we want to go on this journey together. Now, there's many angles, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about many angles of prayer and the exercise of prayer, Uh, many helpful thoughts and models and ideas and tons of scripture about it. Um, But at its most basic level, prayer is an ongoing conversation with God. It's ongoing conversation with God. But unfortunately, oftentimes, we only allow that conversation to be one-sided. So check out this video. Jesus, sorry I'm late, work was crazy today. No, don't get up, it's okay. I uh, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck, I'm just glad. No, I'm glad I made it too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here, a lot of requests. First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Um, uh, not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, what else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog Nibbles has a gimp leg. Chimney crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all on this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven. My neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was, I was dreaming. Plus the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries, bless their secretaries. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. Hey, look at the time there. That's, uh, uh, gotta get going there. Jesus gonna wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you. It's fine evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. (laughs) Been there, done that. Man, God is so loving and kind and patient, even when I'm a goober like this guy. Oh, man. How often do we get so focused just on what we want to say that we don't posture ourselves to listen to the Lord? I mean, could it be that God actually wants to say something back when you ask him a question? Could it be actually that he wants to talk with you as a friend? That he considers you a friend and that he wants to dialogue with you and that God has thoughts and concerns, ideas and questions, just like we do. And that he wants to commune with us in the same way. You know, prayer is a two-sided conversation. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. And this is so important for us to grasp, okay? Because we're all facing decisions. We all have relationships to navigate and jobs to do and parent, uh, uh, kids to raise and all this life stuff. And could it be that God is concerned with even the smallest details of our life and that he cares and he wants to help and that he wants to guide and he wants to lead and he wants to encourage us? in the journey. And so this morning, we're going to just take a few minutes to dive into this reality that God wants to commune with us. He wants to speak to us and converse with us in prayer. And this isn't some kind of charismatic, weird, mystical, far out idea. This is just relationship 101, relationship with God, just talking with him as a friend. And he wants to talk with you But in order for us to hear his voice, we have to pay attention. We have to be positioned to hear his voice. We have to be positioned to hear and receive what he has to say. Position, this is worth coming this morning. Position and posture really matters when it comes to hearing and receiving. 
You can just ask anyone who is a wife in the room. And when she's talking to her husband, and he's like, you know, she's like, you're not listening to me. I'm like, no, I am. (laughs) I am. She's like, no, you're not. And the truth is, I'm not, okay? That was funny, all right? I don't know, like, I'm honest. All of y'all are not being honest, okay? The posture and position really matters when, we, when it comes to hearing God. Uh, a few years ago, my wife was out of town. The kids are out of town. I was batching it for the weekend, Friday night, and there was a football game on A&M versus Arkansas, and it was on Fox, and we didn't really get Fox that well. Uh, and so I did a little research, and I found out that the signal from the Fox station in Abilene came from this certain direction, happened to be the opposite direction of our house that the TV was on in the living room. And so I got an idea. I thought, you know what? I am going to move our whole TV and the whole thing into this other room and put it right next to the door, and maybe I'll get the channel. So I go in there, and I move the TV, and I set up the you know, the TV and the rabbit ears and use a whole roll of foil and it's set up in there and I turn it on and guess what? The game is on. And then my wife got home and she's like, what are you doing? But I had to position this TV and I even remember having to like, I, I touched it and the, the, the game went off and I was like, ah. And so I'm like holding it and slowly backing away. Please stay on. And it did. Position matters. Now, you're laughing at me like you are an idiot. And you know what? You've done the same thing to get cell phone service. (laughs) Don't even lie. You've done the same. You've done some crazy things maybe to get cell phone service. Maybe like one of these guys up here. Do we have a picture? Okay. (laughs) When Wi-Fi is not working? Yeah. Okay. Do we have another one? Wow. That's brave. I don't know if any of us have done that, but we do crazy things to get cell phone service. Signal, but the real question is, how do we get position and posture to hear and to receive from God? To remove the barriers so that we can receive from him. And I have a couple of thoughts for us this morning. The first is this. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It has everything to do with what God has done. God has positioned us to hear him. He has, if you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ, he has positioned us to hear him. That's what he's done in the gospel. He initiated first. He's done what we couldn't do. He's with where it all starts, okay? We all have the ability and access to talk with him and to hear with him and commune with him because of what he has done to position us with the ability to do so. Because here was our situation, Isaiah 59, 2. It says this, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That was our situation. We did not have access to God. We could not talk with him and and commune with him in this way that Jesus has made available. We were separated from God. We were far from him. That was our situation, but we're not in that position anymore. We're in a position to dialogue with him. Sin has been removed. The obstacle of sin, the static of sin has been removed through Jesus Christ. Jesus has changed everything. Listen to this in Ephesians. Paul says, but you being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up. With him and seated us with him in heavenly places. You have a new position this morning. You've been raised up. You've been seated in a new seat. You've been placed in a new place. In Ephesians 2 18, a couple of verses later, he says this For through Jesus, we, through him, we have access in one spirit to the Father. God has positioned us to hear. Right now, you have access to. The spiritual realm with God. Now, that may not be a very American idea, but it's true. That you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That when you bow your head and bend your knees and say, God, he hears you. And you are with him and he is with you because of what Jesus has done. So turn to your neighbor and say, you have a new position. Tell him you have access. Because of Jesus, we're now seated 
with him in heavenly places. And we have access. We have relational access through the Holy Spirit to God. We have relational access to him. He's done what we couldn't do for ourselves. He's positioned us with relational access to him. But not only has God positioned us, God has positioned himself to be able to speak to you. He's positioned himself to speak to us. God has like eternally cleared his calendar to meet with you. Think about that. He's eternally cleared his calendar in order to meet intimately with you, to speak and commune with you. God has nothing better to do than to be with you, than to commune with you. His prized creation, he's, got not, he's not worried about, oh, hey, hold on, man. I got, I'm, I'm dealing with India, okay? ISIS is over here. I don't have time for you. That's not who he is. That's not what's going on. He's not too busy with other stuff. He doesn't put you on hold while he takes some more important calls. You don't get an automated voice response. Press one if you need help with sin. Press two. (laughs) Sorry, the line has been disconnected. Yeah, it's like, it's what happens. He's available to commune with you. He's positioned himself. He's available. This is amazing. This is incredible. This is amazing. Listen to a couple of these scriptures. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the Holy One, who's high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. That means he's outside of time. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite, though he's high and lifted up, dwelling outside of time. Beyond our comprehension, he's intimately near. He's with us. He's positioned himself right in the center of your world, beyond your comprehension. Jesus said this when he's teaching about prayer. He says, and when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus wasn't just giving them a prescription for prayer. He's telling them something about God. Why is God in secret? Why is he positioned himself in secret? Your father is in heaven. But he's positioned himself in secret so that you can always have his undivided attention. Yesterday, we took our, I took my son, Jaira, on a date. Just me and him. And Carolee took our other son, and Brielle, her turn is next week. But I'm a limited man. I can only do one at a time. But I can give him my undivided attention, and God has put himself in secret. It's like, just me and you. You have my undivided attention all the time. This is amazing. What's going on with all that's going on in the universe that God is Position himself so you and I can have access to him, and you don't have to fight for his attention. You don't have to pray for 30 minutes and scream and yell and dance and shout and do all this stuff, and then God's like, okay, what what were you saying? He's not on the couch, vegged out, checked out. No, he's engaged with you. He's not a father who dictates orders from behind the big oak desk. The corner office of heaven, he's intimately near. He's so close, in fact, that the scripture says he can whisper in your ear. How close do you got to be to whisper into someone's ear? Isaiah 30, your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes will see your teacher, and your ears shall hear the word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, hey, this is the way. Behind you, walk in it. God cares about all sorts of things. He cares even about our relationships. Remember when I was dating Carrie Lee, it's my first time to date, and I was just lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I mean, it was just, I don't know what I'm doing. I have story after story after story. I could stand up here and humili- uh, humiliate myself all afternoon. I mean, that's the truth. And I remember we, we were, we were kind of going through some conflict, and 
I'm at home getting ready for this date, got all dressed up, and I'm just like, all right. Something good has to happen tonight. Something good has to happen. And so I didn't know what else to do. I just prayed. I said, God, what does she need? And I sensed the Lord just speak back to me. She just wants you to listen to her heart. And all the girls were like, you didn't know that? And all the guys are like. (laughs) I kid you not. It was not my idea. I was just like, God, you're a freaking genius. (laughs) And I went to the date, and I put it in practice. I was just like, hey, I just want to listen. I'm sorry. I've been talking too much. I just want to listen to your heart. She was like, really? And I was like, yeah. God's like, hey, I'm behind you. Just listen to her. Don't turn to the right or the left. Listen. You knucklehead. Okay. It's who he is. But we must respond in positioning ourselves. He's just gone to great lengths. God has to position us to hear and position himself to speak to us. But there's a practical response. We have to respond in saying, yes, Lord, I want to position myself. You've cleared your schedule. I want to clear some time to hear. You and I both know that life gets busy right? Life gets busy. Life gets difficult. Errands to run, bills to pay, kids to take to school and pick up from school and take to dance and then take to soccer and then take to baseball and then hockey. And I mean, lots of stuff going on and all the clutter and the noise and the activities and the errands and success and setbacks and tiredness gets in the way and we forget what it's all about. And we forget who it's all about. We forget who we are and why we're here and what we're doing. And God wants to invite us to position ourselves and our hearts get troubled and discouraged and frantic and our souls become shaken and like a tangled mess. But you're not the first one to go through that. You're not the only one in the room. You're the only one in history to experience that, the difficulty of life just pressing in and man, I just don't know that I have time to just pause and listen to God. And there's this guy in the Bible, it's really encouraging reminder to us. And we're going to look at a scripture here for the next few minutes and then close and respond. His name was Elijah. And in James chapter five, it says this about Elijah. He was a man with a nature like ours. Cool. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Jeremy, I thought you said this was going to be encouraging. (laughs) He's a man like us. He's like opening and shutting the heavens and doing amazing things. And I'm like, God, give me a parking spot, please. Close. You know, like, but if we dig a little deeper, you'll see that you can relate with Elijah a lot more than what you think. We'll look at this scripture in 1 Kings 19. If you have your Bible, you could turn there. We'll, we'll have it up on the screen too. But 1 Kings 19, this is a story of Elijah. Ahab, who's the king, told Jezebel, his wife. Jezebel was a bad woman, and Ahab was a bad dude. Told, Elijah, or told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. So in the previous chapter, Elijah calls all of the prophets of Baal onto the scene, and they have a showdown. Basically, whose God's the real God? Set up a sacrifice. Whichever God responds with fire from heaven, that's the true God. So the 450 prophets of Baal, they do that. They're cutting themselves. They're dancing. They're chanting. Elijah's kind of mocking them a little bit, and, uh, and no fire comes. And then Elijah says, okay, here's the altar for the living God. Cut a trench around it pour water on it. Oh, that's not enough water. More water, more water, more water. The trench fills up with water. And he says, Lord, reveal yourself. Boom. Fire comes from heaven, licks up. It actually destroys the whole altar. It's like a crater just wiped out everything, licks up all the water, all the fire, and the people of God return to the Lord that day because they see that he's the true and living God. He had opened and shut the heavens with prayer um, for three years. I mean, this guy was, was moving in prayer, and God was using him in a powerful way. But then in verse 2, it says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger 
to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as one of the lives of these prophets tomorrow who had been killed. So Elijah just had a bad day at the office. Okay, he had done some good things. People didn't like it. Verse three, then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Within days of seeing fire come from heaven, God do amazing things and use him in powerful ways. He is running in fear. And he's hiding himself in fear. He's terrified out of his mind. He's confused. He's frustrated. He's wondering, what is going on, God? I, st- I put my like, neck on the line here, and I thought that this was going to change everything. I thought that this was going to bring repentance and salvation, and, and now I'm being killed, like I'm being pursued to be killed. What is going on? You ever been there? I mean, he's busy with stuff. He's m- doing stuff, ministry stuff, I might add, and it's now getting chaotic and complicated. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And listen to this bold prayer of faith, right? This is Elijah, man, just like us. He asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. God, I'm done. I'm done. It's over. It's too hard. I'm not seeing any good outcome here. I can't even, can't, don't want to, can't, I'm done. Face to face with human limitation, with fear. At least he's honest with God in prayer. I want to encourage you with this. No matter what you're going through, sickness, illness, relational challenge, you can be honest with God in prayer. He can take it. He can take it. You can ask him difficult questions. And he says, I'm no better than my father's. That's a good place to be in prayer too. Not, I'm better than them. I'm this. God, I'm at the end. I'm as low as I can be. It's a good place to be because humility is essential for prayer. And he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. Well, what's going to happen next? God's like, all right, man. Have it your way. You know, an angel comes. God sends an angel and touched him and said, arise and eat. God provides for him, even when he doesn't ask. Did you know that when you're in this dialogue and relationship with God and you feel like it's not working out and it's difficult and it's taking a long time, that God sees you and that God is providing for you and he's going to take care of you. That's what he does. He's initiating and caring for him, even when he doesn't ask. And he looked and behold, and there was a cake with water. No icing, just a cake. But it'll do. God provides for him, and he ate, and he drank, and he laid down again. He wasn't ready yet. He was like, man, whatever. Thanks for the bread, or the cake, and the water. The angel of the Lord comes a second time. It says, arise, eat. It's kind of like a mom with her little kid. Eat the broccoli, so you'll grow up and be big and strong. He's like, the angel's like, Elijah, please eat, okay? Eat. The journey is going to be too big for you, too difficult for you, God knows our weakness, and he's providing strength. Ultimately, in the gospel, he's provided strength for us. Remember my sophomore year in college, I was just a wreck. It it was just the most difficult season of my life. I couldn't control my thought life. I was prideful, judgmental, hateful, lusting, just just really in a bad place. And I was trying to read my Bible, and it wasn't working, and I just, I'm done, God. And remember, I was walking to Amer- my American history class, walking up the steps, and I'm having this internal dialogue with God. I didn't know what else to do, and I just, in my thoughts, I didn't say it out loud, but in my thoughts, I said, God, I'm a wretched, despicable person. I was self-loathing myself, and clear as day as I've ever heard anything, God speak to me. He whispered in my ears like that, Isaiah 30, you'll hear a voice behind you. He said, and Jeremy, I'm going to be good to you anyways. It struck me so deep in my core that I began to weep. As I'm walking up the stairs, I begin to cry. And I walk into my American history class, and I'm like sobbing. The guy next to me is like, dude, you okay? I was like, I just, God loves me. (laughs) Behold, Elijah came uh, after he ate. 
It says a voice came to him. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping way ahead. He arose, he ate, and he went in the strength of that food for 30 day, or 40 days to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is also Mount Sinai. It's the same place. So he said, I got to position myself to hear. I got to meet with God. And so he goes to Mount Horeb where God had met Moses. Burning bush, Ten Commandments. It's 200 miles from where Elijah was. It's not like just go around the corner. 200 miles. He gets up, he moves, he goes, and he's there. And he's like, all right, God, I made a sacrifice here. I'm here. Speak to me. You know, and to hear God, we have to position ourselves. He's done everything for us, but we have to respond. We have to position ourselves. We got to turn off the TV, turn off the radio. We had to clear some time. This isn't something you can do like, I'm just kind of listening to God while I'm watching the Cowboys. Like, I got to make space and say, God, speak to me. Verse 9, there came to him, he, uh, he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Such a great question. Seriously, what, what, what do you do? Elijah, why are you here? And he's not saying it sarcastically. God's not being mean. He's, not, he's in love. He's drawing something deep in Elijah. What, what are you doing here? I know you're mad. I know you're frustrated. I know you're upset. What are you doing here? Is this about intimacy with me? Is this about just getting an answer, fulfilling an obligation? Are you here because Moses was here? Why are you here? He's getting to the heart, and in this time, even God's purifying his motivation for prayer. And Elijah's response, he just shares the good, bad, and the ugly. I've been jealous for you. I've done everything the right way. And look what's going on with me. Israel has forsaken your covenant and, and destroyed your altars, killed the prophets, and I'm, I'm the only one left. What is going on, God? I've been going to church. I've been doing life group. I read my Bible. I journaled. I went to this thing. I went to that thing. I'm trying. I didn't cheat on my taxes. I'm doing things the right way. God, what is going on? Where are you? And he's losing perspective. He didn't mention anything about the rain. Didn't mention anything about the the provision of the angel. He didn't mention anything like that. He's losing perspective. But God says, "Go out on the mountain and stand." before the Lord. Just be with me. Just wait with me a little bit, Elijah. Just let me be with you. Just go stand before me. And so he goes. He positions himself before the Lord to hear. One of the more powerful images in scripture, listen to this. It says, and the Lord passed by, and this is the way that he passed by. Great wind came and tore the mountain. I mean, hurricane force winds. It's tearing rocks apart, but God wasn't in the wind. Fire comes. The Lord's not in the fire. Earthquake comes. The Lord's not in the earthquake. On occasion, God chooses to speak in dramatic ways and grab a hold of our attention, but in other ways, he speaks more quieter. A whisper, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And it actually says, the actual Greek word says, the sound of a thin silence. Band, you guys can come on up. Sound of silence. And when Elijah heard it, heard what? He heard nothing. He heard the silence. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the tent. He knew God is here. I found this to be a true experience in my own life that when I position myself to hear God, often what I experience is crazy wind, feels like a tornado in my soul. What's going on? I mean, I, I finally got the kids down for a nap, and I sit down with my cup of coffee. Oh, Lord, speak to me. And I'm like, oh, did I pay the bill? Did I do that? Did I do that? What about this relationship? What's my wife thinking about this? What are the kids? How much time do I have? Oh, the game's on. Oh, shoot. What am I? And just the chaos comes, and you have to sit through it. You have to wait. You have to listen to God, and you have to allow the distractions to fade away. You can't be in a hurry. You have to wait. And then the quiet comes and you hear the whisper of the Lord. Clarity in your soul. God asks him the same question. He gives the same response. And then 
God says, okay, go anoint this guy king. Go anoint this guy king and go anoint Elisha to be prophet after you. And Elijah gets up and goes, not really knowing what's like, God, I'm about to die here. And God gives him a step, one step. And he goes, and little did he know that those three steps was going to be what would bring revival in the people of Israel. As he positioned himself to hear. My wife, before we had our, our first son, Jaira, we, um, we were praying for names and like everyone does and looking at books and stuff. And one day my wife had just positioned herself to hear the Lord. She wasn't actually even praying about a name. She was just, God, I want to be with you. Speak to me. And clear as day, the, the word Jaira came to her mind and she instantly knew like, that's God speaking. We should name our son that. She tells me, I'm like, yes, Jaira, that's it. That's the one. So we name him Jaira, not knowing what was going to happen eight months later after he was born, when he's in a skull reconstruction surgery, medical bills piling up, and we're going, God, what are you doing? But God had spoken in the silence. Jaira means the Lord is my provider. And that was a word that we could hang on to, and we do to this day, that God's provided all of our needs. But it came in the place of silence, posturing to just hear God. And he spoke something at the time that we thought, yay, we got a name, that was so profound, so deep, so impacting, that we didn't even know. So what's it gonna take for us to position ourselves before the Lord to hear? What's it gonna take? You know, how does this kind of come into our world in 2016? I mean, you've got kids, jobs, errands, stuff. We do. We all do. But we have to be intentional to position ourselves. God wants to speak. So what needs to be moved in the schedule? What app on your phone might need to be deleted for a season? What, how do we make room for him? And here's my practical challenge and we're going to respond in worship, is that you would take five minutes a day. You got five minutes. You drive, your drive to work is longer than five minutes. Kids might not sleep that long, but they could sleep for five minutes. And just posture yourself and say, God, speak to me. Commune with me. And I believe that as we begin to meet with God in that way, our soul, our heart will be, our ears will be tuned to hear him on the go. And we're in the middle of a situation, we know that's the voice of God. I've heard, I heard that voice in the quiet place. And now when I'm in the storm in the business meeting and it's crazy, I hear the voice of God. It's true and aligns with the word of God. Bears witness with my spirit that this is right. So that's my challenge to us. You guys can stand. We're going to sing a song just for a few minutes and, and respond um, if we could have a few leaders in the back, actually, just kind of along the back wall, that would be great. Um, specifically, I felt this morning that maybe you're in that place like Elijah was under the broom tree, and you're just like, I'm done. And we today, I want to encourage and challenge you. Go have someone pray with you just for 30 seconds, because I believe God wants to give strength today, like, like the bread and the water to you, so that you can go into the journey of hearing God so that you can have the courage and the strength to listen to the Lord again.